Well, I first have to say a word of uh, thanks to all who are helping me with the boys uh, during these uh, almost two weeks when Jay is away. It takes a village, uh, not so much to raise the boys, but to, to help an old grandma figure out how to uh, manage this. And as, as some of you know, you know, I've already learned you don't uh, leave a 10-year-old boy with a you know, jacuzzi bathtub and a full bottle of uh, body wash because you'll get the Himalayas in your bathroom. And so I am, yes, indeed. Uh, you know, it wasn't just like little fluffy waves. It was like meringue. And so I am learning what it is that all of you who are parents do day in and day out, and I am grateful for all of those who have offered to help me uh, during this interesting time. And now uh, our word for today comes from the prophet Amos. And as you will remember, our sermon series continues to be about the prophets. And so I would invite you during the week to read the whole book of Amos. It's a short prophetic word, uh, but it gives you a real good encapsulation of sort of how a prophetic message works. And I offer you these verses from chapter 5. Seek good and not evil that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you just as you have said. Hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. In the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. This is the word of God for the people of God. So if we are uh, careful readers of our Bible, we might begin to notice that there are two sort of overarching messages or two consistent narratives that we find across the Old and New Testament. In some ways, they are competing narratives, but together they give us a very good understanding of who we are as human beings and who we are as human beings before the living God was trying to lead us toward a happy and uh, fruitful end. Now, the first of these two messages or narratives is the one that I like to call, it is not your fault. Because you see again and again, we see in the scriptures that people are placed in positions where families or, or other people or society is telling them that they're not worthy, that they're not good enough, that they don't stack up, that they don't belong, that they cannot be loved and cared for by God or others because that they're simply not meeting 
the standards or the way of life that other people hold. I mean, you look at, for example, in uh, the Exodus story, the way that the Hebrew people becomes enslaved by the Egyptians. Now, if you remember, the Hebrew people are there because they did exactly what God asked them to do for no other reason than they did what God asked them to do in order to be able to survive and eventually they become enslaved and and captives and told that they're not worthy and they're not good enough. Or if you look at the New Testament, the message of Jesus and often the message of Paul, you get the same kind of word that there are those who have uh, physical disabling conditions, that they are are blind or they're lame and society has told them they've sinned and they're, they're not worthy. And again and again, we find these things in the scriptures where people have told uh, told you that, that, that you don't count, that you're not worthy, that you can't be loved. And the message of God comes every time to this narrative and says, it is not your fault. You are my beloved and I love you with an everlasting love. Now, for many of us today, we still receive those messages. Sometimes they come from family. Sometimes they come from the church. Sometimes they come from society that you do not measure up, that you are not worthy of God or you are not worthy of love, that you are too fat or you're too thin or you're too old or you're too young or you're too different in this way or, or you, you don't have blonde hair or you don't whatever it may be. The social media is especially bad at this, of sending these messages that because of some kind of physical characteristic or situation, you don't worry up and you do not measure up and you are not worthy. And God's message breaks through and says, you are my beloved. I love you with an everlasting love. And it's not your fault. So this first message, which I know there are some here today, need to hear this message that you are worthy and you are beloved of God and don't let others tell you otherwise, that so often we internalize these messages and we come to believe that they are true of us and God is trying to always break that open and say you are loved with my eternal love. Don't ever forget that. So this is the one arc of messaging that comes across the Bible is this message of God's unfailing love for all people. But at the same time, there is this other message or narrative that runs from the Old Testament through the New Testament, which is one that I will call, do not be deceived. There is this second message that's at work that is always reminding the people that we often try to set up our own way and the things we like and the things we think about as, in fact, being the way of God. We want to do God's will as long as it is consistent with the way we want things to be. And God's message comes to the people, do not be deceived. So there is this old uh, <clears throat> Simpsons episode where uh, Homer, it's, it's a clip that's about five seconds long. You blink, you miss it. 
But Homer dies and somehow he goes to heaven and he is there and God comes and greets him and, and God and Homer are, are walking along together and of course Homer turns to God and says, hey, how's the food up here? And God turns to Homer and says, oh, it is delicious. You're going to love the buffet. It's wonderful, but do not eat the three bean salad. To which Homer turns and replies, you're not my boss. Now, the funny thing about this is that's exactly what we do, right? We are very uh, content to follow God until God says, I want you to go over here. And then in some ways we're like, you're not my boss. And of course, yes, you are. But we want things to be our way. We want to go in our own direction. And this is the message of the prophets over and over again that the prophets are raised up by God to bring a word to the people of correction. Now, if you look at the scriptures, there is a lot of prophetic literature across the Old and New Testament. Not only in the Old Testament are there what we call the major prophets, right? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Then there are the 12 minor prophets, Obadiah, Jonah, Amos. And then there are all, all the prophets in the historical books, like Elijah, which Brian preached on two weeks ago. There is a multitude of prophetic words in the Old Testament, but Jesus brings a prophetic word. Paul brings a prophetic word. The book of Revelation is bringing a prophetic word, which again and again is coming not to those people, but are, is a word that comes to the followers of God and says, do not be deceived. You see, prophets are not people who predict the future. Sometimes people think that's what a prophet does. That's not what a prophet does. A prophet is one who simply brings God's word and says, Here's what you're doing. If you continue to go down this particular path, these are the consequences that will ensue. So it is like you saying to your child, son, you keep running with this crowd that you're going with and you are going to end up in big trouble. It's not like you're predicting the future, but you know the path that, that he's on is going to lead him in a direction you really don't want him to go. Or when your doctor says to you, you know, if you continue to eat this diet of fast food, you're going to end up with heart disease and high blood pressure and diabetes. It's not like your doctor is predicting the future. It's just that she knows if you keep doing these things, the path that you're on is going to lead you to these consequences. That is the prophetic word. God comes to God's people who are supposed to be the faithful ones to God and says, Here's where you're at and the path that you're going down. And if you don't stop that path and turn in another direction, here are the consequences. And the path that inevitably God is upset about is that the people have turned away from justice. They think they're following God 
But what God has always asked of them is to care for the widow and the orphan and, and the stranger, to care for those who are vulnerable, to care for those who are in need, who ca to care for those who can't help themselves, to shed God's love to others. And what happens is the people of God end up circling the wagons because they've got a pretty comfortable and good life going. That was true in the 8th century for Amos's Israel. They had a good standard of living. They didn't have enemies attacking them. They thought they had it made. And so they stopped caring for others and only cared for themselves. This is what the religious authorities of Jesus' day ends up doing. Jesus says you're not caring for the people. What you're doing is excluding them and sending them away from God's love. And Jesus says, I invite them all to come back. This is about God's justice. This is about God caring for all people and our part as the followers of God, the followers of Jesus, in seeing that that care is extended. And too often, God's people throughout the scriptures forget God's righteousness, forget to do justice. And that is the prophetic word that again and again we see in the Bible. And it's not just a word that is for those people back there, but it's a word for the followers of Jesus today to always remember, are we following God's way? Are we hearing God's word? And that is what a prophet does, is try and bring people back to listen to God. And so uh, the, uh, I call him the MC, I don't know what he really was, but Zan Holmes, who was the introducer to all the videos in the Disciple Bible series, uh, he was also my uh, preaching professor, and Zan did like to say this. He'd say, you know, God gave us two ears and one mouth so we would listen twice as much as we speak. But so often we're so busy speaking and defending our position that we can't let God's word break through because we're talking and not listening. And the prophetic word is always calling us to listen, to listen, to hear what is true, to listen and allow God's word to break through. And sometimes, not this church, but sometimes churches are the worst about circling the wagons and saying, you can't tell me anything different than we already are and that we already do. And yet God's word comes through again and again to break open and put people back on the path. Now, when you look at these two different messages of the scripture from beginning to end, the one that says, it isn't your fault and I love you with an infinite love, and the other one that says, do not be deceived, it is your fault, but I still love you. What we're having uh, to hold together is God's love and God's justice or righteousness, which are the very heart of God. There is no love without justice, no justice without love. God calls us to both of these things. And in, in, in very important ways, these two things are the two halves of who we are as human beings. The feeling that we're not worthy and the feeling that others aren't worthy. 
And God uh, tries to get us to bring together both that love and that justice. And when those come together, we are closest to the very heart of God. It's like a pendulum. It can swing to the justice side. We know some churches, that's all they're about. It can swing to the love side. We know some churches, that's all they're about. But when the pendulum centers itself, we know that those two have come together into the heart of God. And that's what we seek as God's people. That's the path that we seek to tread where love and justice are interwoven and stay together. So here are these two messages. And at the end of them, if you're reading the prophets and you get to the end of the prophetic word, or in this message of God's love to us, no, no matter what, God's promises are what are at the conclusion of all of this. That God promises to be our God, no matter what. That God promises to lead us to a good future. That God promises that we will be in a land flowing with milk and honey, that we will have peace and wholeness and joy. And the only way we can get there is again and again to turn, to let God's word get through to us, to be able to hear God, to hear God say to us, you are my beloved, do not listen to what the world is telling you, and to hear God's message get through and say, but look what you're doing to those people. Don't do that. Bring them in. They are my beloved as well. It is when we understand that these two sides are always warring within us, that this is our human nature, that we in some ways are able to give ourselves over to the living God, to let the word come to us, to hear the word, and to be drawn ever closer to the very heart of God, where love and justice are all in all. And so today, I invite all of us to go deeper with our listening and to hear the word of God when it comes to each of us. And when we hear it, to go and do. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.